This was for my good cops. Yeah, my father always told me never let the badge change you. The more love I show, the more hate that I'm feeling lately. When you a good cop, bad ones will call you crazy. Supposed to be fan, but I'm feeling like an orphan lately. That blue line ain't as thick as the public perceives. A lot of uh, what's up, trash talkers? Coming to you on a Monday night with a little special uh, first responders edition of the Trash Talk Hour. Um, the man we're going to bring on is a 14-year New Jersey police officer, um, known by some, I don't know, he sent me his own bio here, so as the best-looking Latino police officer <laughs> in the state of New Jersey, um, I can't don't I can't verify that, but we're going to roll with it. Um, he also has a nonprofit that's doing amazing things in his community, and um, it is a rapper and, lo and loves hip-hop music. Um, we are not going to ignore the 500-pound elephant in the room on our page or, or on our group or any of these videos. We know times are tough and tensions are high, but with all the things that we see every single day being reported, all the negativity, we want to focus on the good first responders, the, the good cops, the ones that are out there every single day doing what they're doing and paying the tab for the ones that aren't. So from that being said, they called a man Bookham. I'm going to let you take it from here. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Can you guys hear me? Am I coming through? We got you, brother. All right, good. Hey, guys, first and foremost, I want to thank you guys uh, for having me. I think it's very important what you guys are doing, and I, and I support what you guys are doing. A uh, special, special, wholehearted shout-out to all my veterans out there, uh, you know, protecting our freedoms and going out there risking their lives on territory that doesn't belong to us and, and fighting a battle in strange areas to keep us safe. So I have nothing but love for the military, and I thank you guys for what you do. So I just want to start off by saying that. But uh, to everybody, you know, uh, my name is Bookham. I have a nonprofit called Bridges, the Bridges Project. The Bridges Project is, is predicated off of building a bridge between law enforcement and community, and I use hip-hop music as a conduit with the kids in the community because I work in the inner city. I work in the inner cities, uh, Hudson County, New Jersey, very diverse area. And uh, hip-hop is a huge part of our culture. And uh, so I use it. I use it as a conduit to bridge the gap. And it's a way for me to build conversation, build relationships. And I also do mentoring through that, pro through that program where I go into the schools, into some of the worst schools, the worst areas, gang-related. Uh, one of the programs I work with is Choices Program, where it's high-risk teens, high-risk kids. Uh, you know, they come from a broken home. They're in a heavy uh, crime area. And I just, you know, I enjoy working with them and showing them that they can be that diamond in the rough and can be productive members of society. That's awesome, brother. Um, if I had to ask you a question, like what, what made you, you grew up in Jersey? You've been there your whole life? Yeah, yes. And for anybody thinking that Jersey is all like the Jersey Shore, far from it, man, all right? <laughs> oh, it's not. It's not. I remember my first trip to New York, I took the train from uh, D.C., the uh, Metro, whatever, to, uh, and I got out in Penn Station, New Jersey, instead of Penn Station, New York, and I quickly realized I was in the wrong area. But um, <laughs> anyhow, like, what, what made you become a police officer? Uh, I became a police officer because it's a cliche statement, but I, I wholeheartedly wanted to make a difference in my community, and I felt the best way to do it was to get involved in government, you know, but, uh, you know law enforcement was the best way. Uh, so I figured... And I, and I was motivated by an officer that I had an interaction with 
at the age of nine to ten years old. So I always had that in the back of my head uh, to become a law enforcement officer. Was it the fact that this man uh, left such such an impression on you at the age of nine? Um, was that part of your inspiration for this Bridges program to 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 get um, put police in front of these kids at an early age and 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 you know be able to mentor them and show them the ropes like you were and maybe inspire them to do um, do something to make their community a better place. I mean, basically, um, was that was that part of your inspiration for it? Um, no, I'm going to be honest. It wasn't. The interaction with him showed me. <laughs> no, the interaction with him showed me that cops were human beings. I always had, I always had a, you know, when, when you're young, you're growing up, you kind of see cops and military as like, you know, intimidating figures, right? You see them in uniform squared away. They look intimidating. And you really don't see a human being behind the uniform. But the interaction that I have with this officer, it just showed me a different side. So I was intrigued by the authority, and I was also intrigued by the, by the personality that, you were, that he was such a human being, such a good person. And I was like, man, I want to be, be like that one day. I want to be in a position where I have that authority, but I'm also a human being, you know? No, that's that's awesome and very very honorable and I, and I love it. You know, I follow you on Instagram. I just love the stuff that you're doing. Um, and you know, without going down the political route or anything, but if you had one message to send out, like right now with everything that's going on, you know, um, a lot of a lot of discrimination, especially towards the police. And we know we have a lot of good police officers, a lot of stand up officers, just like you, and a lot of our friends. You know, that are veterans. Um, they got out of the military are now serving as police officers honorably. Uh, we're going to have one on the show next week. If you had one message to send out, what would that message be? Uh, it's a quote that I always use. Be a part of the community, not apart from the community. Uh, it's very important that we find a way to bridge the gap and, 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 and personalize the uniform. What I mean by that is humanize the badge. You know, there's a, there's a group out there that I'm friends with. They have a movement called Humanize the Badge. And that's what we have to do. We have to show these kids, we have to show the community by being boots to the ground and, and showing up, not only when there's, when there's chaos, there's a crisis, not only for calls for service, but we got to be there to celebrate, we got to be there to be people, to be part of the community and show them that we have a heart, that we actually care about them and we know them by first name, we know who they are, we know what they like, and I think that's the best way to really service your community. Any anytime I've uh, seen a video that goes viral, you know it's it it's always something um, that you see what would be characterized as uh, you know out of character for a, for a cop in uniform to do, um, uh, like doing a dance battle at a park with a kid or or or, or <laughs> you know. St but it's it's that kind of stuff that um, that breaks down that barrier that breaks down that wall. You know, and I, I completely uh, commend what you're doing because um, that could be the biggest difference um, to what kind of choice that that kid makes or what kind of stance he takes when it comes to police rather than um, keep that wall up and, and keep that intimidating figure in front of him or see a guy that he can run and talk to if he needs help. Because a lot of times if they see that intimidating figure, you know, if if they if they see that's um, always there to correct them or, or tell them that this is a problem or, you know, is never there um, when they just want to talk about what's happening. Um, 
you know, they're less apt to go for help because they, mm-hmm. they, they don't see, they don't see the human side like you're talking about. So um, I think it's uh, awesome. What you're doing is, is definitely that it's gotta be making a difference. It has to be. Yeah, man. And thank you for that, man. And, and, you know, it really touches me because, you know, when you said people come to you and to me, that's the best feeling in law enforcement. Anybody that's in the field, I've worked patrol, I've worked narcotics. It's the best feeling when you show up to a scene, call for service, and it's a little chaotic. Maybe there's a fight, maybe there's something going on, and somebody in that crowd recognizes you, and just because you have a good rapport with that person, the whole situation calms down. Because they recognize you. They say, oh, that's Rivera, that's Bookham. Ah, man, he's cool. Everybody chill out. Because it's because of the relationship that you've built with these people. You see what I'm saying? And it, it could just diffuse a situation right away, you know, right away without you even have to, without you even, even having to utter a word or impose any type of authority. Just your presence because of what you've done. The, you know, the, the, the steps that you've taken, um, getting out of your patrol car, working with people, talking to them, congratulating them, communicating with them, and they, they build that love and respect for you. So it's very important. Would you would you say that it definitely has effect, you know, positively affected your community, like your area that you patrol in right now? I mean, we see, you know, a lot of cities are up in flames. We got a lot of crazy stuff going on. Um, but when you're patrolling your area specifically, have you noticed that it's still that positive influence or has that a little bit, has that changed kind of, or, you know, is it, are you a little bit more on edge right now? You know, how's the feeling for you and how's the feeling for the people that know you? Oh man, that's a great question. To me, I've seen the animosity, the tension has risen. Even people knowing me, you just see the looks are getting a little, a little meaner, a little more hostile. Everyone's, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, cars should move out of the way for us if we're not lights and sirens, but before the small courtesies that they were showing law enforcement, you can see that the respect is so is slowly, you know, dissipating. It's going away. It's diminishing. And I'm seeing it in people's faces and demeanor that it's, you know, the, the respect for law enforcement is, is, is gradually di- diminishing in my community too. I still have a good relationship with a lot, you know, with my community, a uh, lot of love, a lot of respect. I talk to them still. I get out. I say, listen, you guys already know my stance. You know how I am. Uh, and they understand and they express to me how they feel about how they've had bad interactions with other officers. And they're kind of happy that there's this new reform and this new wave occurring across the nation. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's a crazy situation. It's a crazy situation. But, you know, God bless you, brother, for doing what you do. Thank you, man. It's definitely inspiring. And more people need to see that and need to follow that lead. Because um, it really, it, I think that's what we need to make the biggest difference is to show the world that, you know, there's bad apples in every organization, you know, in every business, whatever it may be, you know, but it just makes the individuals like you and the good police officers look like crap, you know. Same thing with you guys. Same thing with you guys, man. Military as well. I got some great friends that are military. Uh, one of my good friends, Marine, served three tours in, in Iraq. Uh, he, We were supposed to go through when I first graduated. Or, you know, I was supposed to graduate. We were supposed to go to the program. He ended up going to the Marines in 2000. 2009-11 hit. He's straight out of boot camp going, going into, you know, going to battle. And he was never the same ever since. So I have nothing but respect. And you guys go through it as well, you know, right now. You guys are getting the brunt of the, you know, uh, of the tension and, and the hostility as well. I'm seeing it. And I have a question to ask you guys. I'm sorry if I'm... 
I, I want to ask you guys, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm glad I'm with you guys because I've been seeing some uh, uniformed military personnel kneeling and kind of participating in what's going on. How do you guys feel about that? I feel like that's a personal prerogative. And, uh, you know, to say, to say that I was, uh, that I opposed it would make me a hypocrite. Cause I signed, uh, I signed that same blank check that they did. Um, we all fought for the same thing. And, um, that is 100% personal, right? Personal choice. And, uh, mm. yeah, that's, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be anybody's judge or jury for it. If that that's your personal choice and you live with it, you do it. And, you believe in it, then great. You know, stand up for what you believe in. You know, and like Joe just said, if it's your personal choice, I, I'm not judging as long as it doesn't harm anybody. You know, um, by regulation, if, if we get into like military regulations and stuff, it would be illegal. You know, they they're not supposed to do that in uniform. But um, once mm -hmm. you're out of uniform, and especially out of the military, if that's what they want to do, hey, that's their damn given right to do it. You know, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And I just want to say a quick story. I want to tell you guys, going back to what we were talking about with, you know, Joe's question and what you guys asked in regards to the tension in the community. I remember before all this happened, uh, there was a kid that I was mentoring. His name was, his name is Sebastian. Um, and he struggles. He struggles with mental illness. Uh, you know, he has bipolar disorder. And I didn't know this. I just built a, a rapport with him. I'll never forget one day I'm working patrol. And we get a we get a call of a suspicious black male, you know, dressed in all black, whatever, whatever. And he's uh, peering into vehicles. And so I I get to the area, and unbeknownst to me, I get approached from the rear of the rear of the patrol unit. I'm like, oh, the guy matching the description shows up, knocks on the window, hoodie on, whatever. And he goes, Officer Rivera, it's Sebastian. And I'm like, hey, what's up, buddy? And he goes, listen, man. I'm only telling you because, you know, I, I, I love you and I trust you, but I feel like hurting somebody, you know? And, and to me, that was like, it really touched me because I was like, this kid could have easily, whatever, hurt me. You know, I didn't see him. I didn't see him, you know? I was patrolling. I stopped at an intersection, and I didn't see him. But it just, you know, that's why it's so important to all my officers out there, even military personnel, it's so important that we show people that we're human beings, that we have feelings, that we have emotions, we have issues. I call it the three Ps, public, personal, and professional. We have three different forms of life. We have a public, personal, and a professional life. And sometimes we get hit in all different angles. And we have to show people. We have to be transparent and show them, yeah, we have issues. Uh, this badge might be shiny, but you know what? There's some scars underneath here. My, you know I'm bearing some scars, and I'm having, I've had some issues. I deal with depression. I deal, but the problem is in law enforcement, I don't know how it is with you guys, but in law enforcement, there's no real system in place to help people that are struggling with these issues, you know? Um, if you go to a superior and you tell him, hey, boss, uh, I've been having some real bad financial issues. I'm struggling. It's messing with my head. Uh, I feel real depressed. First thing they're going to do is, oh, well, we got to send you for a psyche valve. You go for a psyche valve, you know, the psyche evaluator might, just for covering his own ass, he might say, oh, you failed a psyche valve. Now they take your weapon. Now your family loses money. Now you're in a financial crisis. This is why the suicide rate is so high, because officers 
don't have an outlet, really don't have a, a solid system in place to help address these issues that we deal with. And not even to mention the stuff you deal with inside work, you know, within the ranks. Wow. You know, and that was going to be one of my next questions, actually. You know, crazy you bring that up. The suicide rate in the police force, you know, I didn't know it was that high. I mean, with the with the military and in general, you know, I look at the VA stats every day. We're between 19 and 23 veterans a day. So while you're in, I mean, the, the, the help is there. We can seek out help. Uh, our biggest issue is, you know, you come back from deployment and then you get out and then you end up in small town, wherever. Um, you're not surrounded by military any, anymore. You know, you got the VA and stuff and then you just can't talk to people who understand you anymore. And that's kind of what our community is about, our Facebook group. You know, I don't know if you've been on it. I think you, you follow us. Um, it's just a whole community of individuals that are out of the military now and they're just all tra talking trash, having fun with each other. And, uh, you know, that's 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 what we're trying to fix. And that's what we're trying to figure out, you know, because there are a lot of us that carry those demons inside, you know, but I didn't not I did not know that, you know, if you guys if you need help right now, you're, you're looking at losing your job with the military, at least if you, if you need help and they do remove you from the military, you're still looking at a disability check for the rest of your life. You know, you're still taken care of. So, I mean, maybe that's a system you need to attack, man, because that's crazy. I did not know that. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate, man. We had an officer, uh, rest in peace to Officer Ferrer from my department. He's a former military man as well uh, who committed suicide, unfortunately, uh, I want to say four or five years ago. And it was, it, was, uh, it was due to the fact that he was facing some, some uh, disciplinary action, something that happened. And what, what bothered me was, and what bothers me, in law enforcement, and I'm being transparent for everybody out there. What bothers me in law enforcement, too, is that you guys have, I believe the military, the brotherhood code is a lot deeper, uh, you know, than what, than what I see in law enforcement. I got onto the job thinking, whoa, this is great, brotherhood, you know, sisterhood, everybody together, we're one, we're fighting for a good cause. You get on the job, you make one mistake, nobody has your back. You know, you make one mistake, you're scrutinized, supervisors don't like you, they take you off a post, they take money out your pocket, and that's another issue, you know, and that's one of the reasons. Unfortunately, this brother felt there was no other outlet. He felt that there was no turning back, and that's because of there's no real system in place, a system based off of trust and confidentiality where we can go and say, listen, we're, we're having problems, and then... With it not leaving that and going to the rest of our peers and colleagues, and now they know of our issue. And now instead of seeing a person, they say, oh, this guy's a fucking shitbag. He's a soup sandwich. Look at him. He's a mess. He's a terrible cop. She or whatever. You know, so the scrutiny comes into play. Where's the thin blue line? Where's the thin blue line? It disappears. You know, and it happened to me. I went through it. You know, so I understand. I went through times where a boss had it out for me. Trust me. And... And I've been there, and I've had no one have my back. So I understand, I understand it, and that's why I'm so sensitive to those, to those issues that we deal with in law enforcement. You know, when, when PTSD, I think, was in its infancy, and um, the, I mean, the, the, the system is forever, evol is, is constantly evolving. It's like, you know, and, and so back, in the, back when we came back, um, yeah, I think I said I, I, w I went and said I was having anxiety 
one time mm -hmm. and they threw some pills at me that made me sleep through a formation and I never took them again. And that, and that, and that was mean. And I get that there's, you know, the system has changed radically. And, um, but for an infantryman, for a line infantryman, um, that, that comes into play too, you know, as far as like, you know, the, the mental health side, you know, so afterwards, you know, after the fact, when we get out that, that, you know, it's the, the VA, it's a great system, but while you're on active duty, it's very hard to come forward with those issues and um, not be looked at differently the day after. It, it's, it's very difficult on active duty. Um, the system after the fact is, is great and it's, ever, and it's ever evolving, but I completely get where you're coming from with that, where all of a sudden you're looked at as less of a soldier, which by the way, I mean, if you're, what, what are, what are you when you're in the streets wearing the uniform and carrying a badge and a gun other than the, I mean, what's the difference between a soldier and that? And that to me, there's nothing that's the same thing, you know? So you looked at it as less of a cop or less of a, you know, less of a tough guy or less of a, you know, solid individual up here just because you trusted somebody and came forward with it. So I completely get that. Hey, absolutely. Some great discussion here. So um, I guess we'll end it on some positive things. Um, I do definitely want to hit up your hip hop. All right. You're, you're, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, for all, all the individuals that do like rap music um, and hip hop, uh, what artists inspire you the most? Big pun, baby. Big pun. Big punisher. <laughs> is that is that kind of who you who you follow based on your flow and everything? Or I mean, I know you're a Jersey uh, rapper. You're a Jersey rapper, so we got some really good ones in Jersey. Joe's from Michigan, so we you know obviously love Eminem, Royce the Five Nine, and all that. But um, you know, from rap, yeah, from a rapper standpoint, Joe Budden is one of my favorite rappers. Um, but he obviously doesn't do that anymore. Um, but if you had to name like your top tier MCs that are out right now, who would you uh, who would those be? Out right now or time or just right now? Out right now. Okay, woo, that's hard because I'm not really. I listen. I listen to Drake. I think Drake is phenomenal lyrically. I'm a lyrical. I, I like lyrics. I like. Uh, music with meaning. So I like Drake, J. Cole. Um, who else? Hey, so what you're saying uh, is because you like lyrics, it's really hard to come up with anybody right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because, <laughs> because that was years ago yeah, when that yeah. stopped, right? <laughs> exactly. That's, right. that's why I said yeah. Anybody with a lil in front of it, or uh, you know, whatever it may be, or or a mumble, yeah, we can all scratch those guys. But J Cole for sure. I lived in North Carolina for a while, and uh, yeah, J Cole is definitely in my top tier list from current rappers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Eminem is always going to be a legend. Eminem is a you know, pioneer. If you guys didn't know, Eminem actually started. You know, at the inception of his rap career before he blew up, check it out. Do your research. He started with a group called the Outlaws in New Jersey, in North New Jersey. And he is place one, a couple of other rappers, and he was in North New Jersey working with them before he blew up in Detroit. I did not know that. I would always yeah. ask Joe. I would always ask Joe for the Eminem because I, I think Joe lived on Nine Mile or Eight Mile or one of those places. It was Nine Mile, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nine Mile. <laughs> That's a tough area. I, I was over there. Well, was well, over there. well, now, yeah. now, not on the part that I lived. It wasn't a tough area. I was outside of Detroit. Now, keep keep in mind, eight mile runs through about five five different towns uh, before it hits <laughs> yeah. Detroit. It's a long road. 
Yeah, I saw. I saw. We went to Eminem's area where he grew up, but the house is no longer there. It's, it's just a piece of land now. Yeah, it was that's a rough crazy. area we drove to. Yeah, that's crazy. But hey, man, we really appreciate you coming on. Listen, any, hey, listen, guys, it's all about helping each other. And iron sharpens iron. Anything I could do to help you guys, you guys need a. If you guys need a like an intro track, then man, you know I got you. Just let me know some things you want me to talking. do. Yeah. You know, you know like, I can tell, I can tell you some secrets, but believe it or not, I used to have a record deal in Germany. I, I lived there for 21 years, and I was in a boy band, and I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely not lying. And then I had a studio. That's true. When when I, was in Fayetteville, when I was in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and I'm actually on an eight ball mixtape. It's floating around here somewhere from 2008, 2009, but I kind of gave that all up, you know? But, wait, wait, you sing? You sing? No, no, my, my girlfriend sings, but I can rap. I can rap. I can, I can bust some rap. Hey, let's, let's do a track, man. Come on. We should. We should. We, we should. should, man. Definitely we something should. we should look into. Yeah. No, we got to get fun. you back hey, in the booth. Dave, Dave I'm, I'm going to be mad if you mention... <laughs> I'm gonna be mad if you mention your hip hop <laughs> career and don't tell them that in Kuwait your saw gunner ghost wrote a verse in about three minutes and handed it to you that actually that actually made it. I'm well, the saw gunner. I'm bragging on myself. Yeah, 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 oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. You, you, you helped me write the song back in the day. That's true. Yeah. And then um and then I did. He was like, Carolina he's like, that's pretty good. He's like, can you put that to a beat? I said, nope, that's all you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did the Carolina Crooks track, and that was the one that the eight ball uh, yeah. MJG picked us yeah. up on. And then we were actually deployed on our second deployment, and they emailed us and they wanted us to do a show in Florida. And I'm like, I'm in the biggest sandbox in the world. There's no way I can do this right now. Um, but um, yeah, I got beats for days. A lot of my buddies in Germany are still artists, and they got a lot of good stuff going on. It's fun, man. I love I love rap music, but um. Yeah, yo, good. We got to do a track. It could be something crazy. A cop and a military man, a serviceman getting on the mic and doing something. Man, it could be something epic, man. You never know. I like that idea. I like that. Yeah. Idea. Um, I think we're gonna get ready to wrap it up. You know, maybe we can have you on again in the future.